We have two readings this morning. The first is from Mark chapter 5, and if you wanted to also put your finger in uh, Acts chapter 2. Um, Mark chapter 5, verse 21, and that's on page 1007. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and he, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And then if we move to Acts chapter two on page 1093, and it's verses 22 to 24. Fellow Israelites, Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, and you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Uh, well, thank you, Shona, for reading, and Darren for praying, and let me uh, add my own good morning uh, to you all. Great to have you here with us this morning, especially if you're new or newish uh, at Christchurch. It's lovely uh, to have you. Let me give some apologies, because I've got one of those just the beginnings of a tickly cough that keeps coming up and annoying me. Um, so if I start coughing, um, I've got some water there. I hope it won't be too uh, distracting. Now, on Sunday mornings, uh, we are continuing with this series in, in Mark's Gospel, following Jesus, following the King. And you'll have picked up over the past couple of weeks, we come to this, um, this section in Mark where, where Jesus is speaking, uh, we're speaking about fear in following him. All sorts of people are afraid, and I guess you could, as you come to it, think, why, why do we need to hear 
about this kind of stuff. I mean, we, we live in a pretty great city. It's, it's pretty affluent. Excellent health care. Uh, there's world-class education on our doorsteps. Relatively speaking, relatively speaking, we, we're in a fairly positive employment and economic bubble here in Cambridge. I mean, what have we got to, to fear? A number of years ago, at church I was at in Derby, there was a, a young mum in the congregation. Her partner walked out and left her. Uh, and we were uh, pitching around to help and asking her how she was. And I remember saying, is, is there anything she needs? Uh, and the answer came back, no, no, she's all right. She's got 400 pounds in her bank, so she's totally fine with that buffer. Can you imagine? If you went home today and discovered you only had 400 pounds in your bank account, would you feel totally okay? I imagine there's teenagers here uh, with more money than that in their bank accounts. Uh, what have we got to fear? We've got all sorts of stuff. Uh, except you know that's not true. Uh, live in Cambridge long enough, and, and you know people are, are anxious about all sorts of things. Worried about all sorts of things, fearful, uh, anxious about housing, anxious about their children. Are we getting education right? Are they doing enough? Are they in the right school? Will we get them into the right school? Anxious about how, how you compare to other people. Am I matching up to them in some way? Do I look as good? Is my career progressing as well? Anxious about the planet. Used to be Christian preachers that were on the street, wasn't it, saying the end of the world is nigh. Do you remember the signs? Not anymore. Not in Cambridge. It's Extinction Rebellion who are saying that. And maybe you don't feel quite the same as them, but you feel the anxiety levels rising. There's anxious, those of us who are anxious about health. See, we feel all those things. There's a Guardian article from uh, 2020 that commented on anxiety levels. You might know this, but uh, from 2008 to 2018, those kind of general anxiety levels in the population, they've doubled, even trebled across most age groups. We live in a society that has access to almost everything, it seems, except consistent peace of mind. Uh, how do you handle it? I guess for some... Maybe you find yourself in the situation where, or you know people like this, for whom it just regularly overwhelms. For others, it might be lead to kind of frantic activity. Life is spent trying to insulate all the things you, you value from threats, achieve some level of control. Maybe through work, maybe it's through pushing your children to achieve and to succeed. And some manage success at that, but it still feels fragile, doesn't it? Uh, but what Jesus seems to be offering as we, as we come to look at this part of the Bible is, is a way out of fear that will give you a deep sense of security, even when things are troubling. And it won't rely on your own power to achieve it. But even that might cause, I guess, a kind of fear. Uh, because you know, as we've been Going through Mark on Sunday mornings, Mark's wanting to persuade us, look, you want to put your faith in the Lord Jesus. You want to make Him the, the kind of defining principle of your life. And you know that's not straightforward. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you might feel this kind of way. If people at my school or people at my workplace found out that I really do believe the Bible 
and the things that it says, that, that might be awkward. And into your thinking, a shadow comes. Look, is, is Jesus really the one I can put my confidence in? Is he really the one I'm going to let shape my life? Does he have what it takes? And, and Mark's been saying, look, he really is. He really is. Do you remember what we've seen over the past couple of weeks? He's shown us all sorts of things. He can control the storm. He can confront evil. If you're back with us next week, we'll see he can call back from death even. And this morning, Jesus will say, if you want to discover how to handle fear, if you want to know about that, if you think, yeah, that's something I'd like to know, and you moved, if not physically, at least in your own mind, to the edge of your seat, if you want to know how to handle fear, he will say, come and listen to an older, vulnerable woman. Doesn't that flip things in its head? That's what he says here. Now, this story, if you've got it in front of you in Mark's Gospel, back on page 1007, have it open in front of you if you can. But this story, in a way, it's an interruption. Jesus is on his way to seeing a dying girl. If you picked up that from the beginning, the word for my, my little girl is dying is, is kind of a sense of she's at death's door, she's sinking fast. He's on his way to see her, and he stops. There's a woman who's been suffering for 12 years. And the word for suffering that's used in this passage is kind of like whips, the blows of whips. Just look at verse 26, and you'll understand what's been going on for her. She has suffered under doctors, spending all her money, not getting better, only getting worse. You, you begin to hear them like that, and do you feel the blows that she's been suffering under? Um, it's not just her health that's been flowing away. It's her money. It's her confidence. It's her hope. And this bleeding would make her ceremonially unclean in Jewish law. She, she'd be a virtual outcast, and Jesus stops. But it's an interruption in a different way because the other three scenes around this story, two we've heard and one we'll see next week, in a way in those, those kind of scenes, Jesus is trying to, in a way, sort of encourage faith, provoke faith in people. But not in this one. This one is different. This one, he's, he's spotlighting genuine faith. Do you notice that? As we read it, he's saying, if you... If you want a look at the kind of faith that can handle fear, you need to be interrupted by this woman. You live a busy life. Maybe you've come here. You're already thinking about the stuff you've got to do the rest of the day. Maybe it's going to be a busy day. Maybe you've got all sorts of things planned. And Jesus says to us, look, if you want to know about this faith... They can handle fear. You need to be interrupted by this woman because she's got what you need. Jesus is not wasting time here on his way to another important event. He's making time. He's making this time. He's making time for this woman. He's making time, I think we'll see as we get on to Jairus next week. He's making time here for Jairus as well, although it might not feel like it. And he's making time for you. 
He's making time for you this morning. Three things. Where does this faith come from? This is what we'll look at this morning. Where does this faith come from? What, what faith does and what faith brings you? Here's the first thing. Look, um, where, 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 where does faith come from? Here's the thing. Faith comes through hearing about Jesus. Occasionally, uh, still occasionally, people will say things like this. You might have heard it as well. They'll say things like, oh, I, I, wish, I wish I had your faith. A good friend of mine, Anne, who's not a Christian, she would sometimes say that to me. I, I just can't believe this, David. I, I, wish I, had, I wish I had your faith, almost as if it's a personality trait. You know, like this kind of thing. Steve's got a great sense of humor. Sarah's brilliantly logical. Brian's got lots of faith. It's just a thing that they've got. But that would make the, the source and strength of faith something inside you. And that's not what the Bible means. Faith is not, as the Bible talks about here, is not some kind of reliable ability you have. It's an expression of confidence in the reliable ability of something or someone else. So when I, for example, uh, let me just get this out. When I, if I was to sit on this chair, I mean, you're all doing it already, but imagine you were standing up and I sit on this chair and you look at me and you say, oh gosh, I'd love to sit on a chair, but I just don't have David's kind of faith. You wouldn't think that's crazy as if there's something about me. You, you, you know that's not the way it works. Um, there's nothing special about me in that regard. It's just that I've been persuaded about chairs. I've watched you sit in chairs. I've seen other people sit in chairs. I, I know the general shape of a chair, and I think, do you know what? I think I could sit in that as well, and I put my confidence in it, and I, I go and do it. That, that's what's going on. Uh, with, with faith, isn't it? This woman has faith in Jesus. Where did it come from? Are you ready for the big reveal? How do you get it? How do you get this kind of faith? It's there in verse 27. Just have a look. Do you see what it says? When she heard about Jesus that's it. Now, you hear that and you think, that it? That's crazy. Are you trying to tell me that's where it comes from? Faith that handles fear, that's how you get it? It's so insignificant. Just a little line there, she, she heard about Jesus. Except it's what Jesus says. Back at the end of chapter 3 in Mark, as we went through, you might not remember it now, opposition is, is kind of hotting up for Jesus. It's beginning to be hostile, and if you're following him, it's beginning to get a bit scary. And you remember the dramatic thing is things get pretty scary around Jesus. Now, the dramatic thing that Jesus did next, you, you meet it in chapter 4, verse 1, and it's this, we're told, again, Jesus began to teach. As things get pretty hostile, is it scary following him? What does he do? It says, again, Jesus began to teach, and he tells a parable of a farmer sowing some seed, just casting out seed. It looks really insignificant, but he says, given time, it will produce amazing harvest. And you think, what is this insignificant seed? And he tells us, chapter 4, verse 14, the farmer sows the word. And Jesus concludes, consider carefully what you hear. That's what he says in, in chapter 4. Will he still? 
There's a great name, Willie Still. He was a Scottish minister who served at Gilcomston Church in Aberdeen for many, many years. And I remember hearing a story. Apparently, a, a young man came to ask him about Jesus and the Christian faith, wanted to find out about it, and Mr. Still said something like this. If you want to know about Jesus, then come to church on Sundays for the next few months and just listen to the Bible being taught. And then after that, we'll speak again. Now, why would you say that? Because he gets this. The seed sown does its work. Do you hear about Jesus? Or, or J.C. Ryle, uh, the Anglican Bishop of Liverpool in the 1800s, he, he wrote a little book called Duties of Parents. There's actually a copy of it on the bookstall downstairs. I didn't know there was going to be uh, Duties of Parents. Uh, it's a really helpful book in all, all sorts of ways, but in that he speaks to parents and he says, he says, look, parents, you cannot make your children Christians. You cannot do that. Only God can do that. But what you can do, and this is something parents can do, is you can continue to put before them the ordinary means that God uses to bring people to Himself. Read the Bible with them. Bring them to church regularly. Look, what does all this mean? Just that one little verse you heard about Jesus. What does all of this mean? Uh, what it means that is if you want to have or grow this kind of faith in Jesus, you need to listen to the message about him that you find in the Bible. That's what you really need to do. You, you need to come to church, not, not just once in a while, but, but regularly. Come every week. You can even come twice if you like. We'll be back here again at five o'clock. Come again. An old minister I used to know used to say, it, it's the Lord's day, not the Lord's half day. And I used to just go, oh, stop going on about it. The older I get, I think he was on to something. Those of you who are parents, if you want to encourage faith in your children, if you want them to grow with this kind of faith, make coming to church on Sundays not just a thing you do, make it the thing you do if you can. Don't give the impression church is just a thing to fit in on your way to sports or a party or the garden center. Gathering with others to encounter the sore. That's what you're doing. You've gathered with others to encounter the sower as he sows his seed in your life on a Sunday. That is the thing we do on a Sunday. Read the Bible at home. Talk about it with friends. Faith comes through hearing about Jesus. So what does faith do? Here's, here's the second thing. Look, faith begins to depend on Jesus. I think at this point, it's probably helpful to say something about Jesus' miracles. The healing is, it's pretty dramatic, isn't it? If you read it for the first time, or, or, or you've read it before, she just touches him and she's healed. And you could look at this and, and think, well, all sorts of ways. It's pretty exciting. You might think it's confusing. And you could look at this and think, is this saying, look, if I get faith right... Does this mean my, all my illnesses should be healed? But if that's the case, then what about the Christians I know who have not been healed? Or loved ones who didn't get better? Or even this woman for the past 12 years? How do we understand Jesus' healing ministry? 
That's a confusing thing for many Christians, isn't it? It might be confusing for you. You might be facing all sorts of stuff. And you think, how do I understand this? When I read this in the Bible and then I, I put it up against my own experience. I think our second reading, that's why I wanted it, helps with this. Did you, did you hear how Peter described Jesus? He says this in Acts. Jesus was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Now, let me try and, and say this carefully. Jesus' miracles are not in the first place demonstrations of what to expect every time you pray to Him now. They are in the first place signs to persuade you He really is the one you can trust your life to, to move you from fear to faith, and also as a sign to show you of the kind of life that He will bring you into that begins now, but will only be fulfilled when He comes again. Now, if you can just try and process for a minute, and let let me say, before, before you think, I think we heard David saying Jesus doesn't heal anyone today and He doesn't believe in miracles. No, I'm not saying that. And I do believe in them. I regularly pray for people to be healed. And I'm aware of times that God's answered those prayers with healing. And I'm also aware of times that God's not answered with physical healing now. And the New Testament acknowledges that. You can ask me later if you want. But this incident is a sign. Look, if this incident is a sign as well, just look where this woman points us. Her faith causes her to come depending on Jesus. In verse 26, look, medical care has its limits. Her finances have limits. The availability of community around her to help, friends and all that, they they have limits as well. She's realized, perhaps better than many of us do, that eventually life, no matter how blessed you are, you'll run out of resources and options. You'll feel it sooner or later. And it will be frightening when you feel it. But she believes she has discovered a fountain or a resource that surpasses all other things she's had. And it's Jesus. Do you know that? Have you begun to find that? Do you know that medical care, are you, do you keep that conscious in your mind? Medical care has limits. Eventually your body will fail. Do you know your money will eventually run out and leave you? Or your life will run out and you will leave it? It will only go one of two ways. And if you're going to live trying to fix everything with your own resources, resources, Jesus is saying you will eventually be swamped by fear. You need a resource you can depend on above all those other things. You need a fountain you can go to. You need a fountain you can go to that will never run out. Do you get this sign? Verse 28. If I just touch his clothes. Verse 29. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Verse 30. Immediately, Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. Why did he do that? Yes, it was 
for her. It was for her. He healed her on that day. But it's also a sign for you. This is a sign for you so you know that he has the resources you need. He's the fountain that never runs dry. This woman who looks weak and vulnerable, Jesus says, I am all for her. Now let me say, can I I say, just by way of application at this point, perhaps for those of you who are older, perhaps for those of you who are post-retirement stage, maybe you feel more than than a lot of us, your, your body is weaker. Maybe you're feeling those constraints of health. You, you feel vulnerable. Maybe you're more acutely aware than, than lots of us that there is less of your life ahead of you than behind you, and you're feeling that. The Lord Jesus says to you, He will be a fa- the fountain of your life and a resource that will never run dry. Don't be afraid. Depend on Him. Can I say to to those of you in your teens, pathfinders and grafted, if you want examples for life, if you want examples of the kind of faith in Jesus that will help you face life with a humble confidence, even when things are trembling, Jesus says you want to get some time with some of the older women in our church family who've been through real health issues. Not that you want to hear all the details of those health issues, but you want, to, you want to get around some of those older women and listen to them as they tell you what trusting Jesus looks like. Jesus says, let your busy lives be interrupted by them and talk with them. Darren mentioned, look, connect home uh, next Sunday afternoon. Look, part of it is, I mean, I don't know if you like afternoon tea. Some people do, some people don't. It's a thing to do. I'm not overly fussed by afternoon tea, but the real reason for it, why we want to do those things, is so you get to sit down with other people in our church family and have your faith encouraged. If you find yourself pathfinders, if you find yourself sitting next to a lady who's called Thea and you've not met her before, just ask her about her Christian faith. If you find yourself sitting beside a, a, a younger mom who's called Eman, who's from Egypt and has lived as a Christian there, you ask her about her Christian faith. If you're sitting beside Jane Farewell, she'll probably talk to you anyway. <laughs> she'll be wonderful like that, but you listen to her. Let your life be interrupted by her. And begin to see what depending on Jesus looks like. Faith brings you to begin to depend on Jesus. Like, here's the last thing. What, uh, what, does, what does faith get you? Here, here's the last thing. Faith, faith brings you Jesus himself. Come back to verse 34 in the passage. See how Jesus speaks to this woman. Do you hear that? Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And the intention that this thing for this woman is, is not public embarrassment, it's public restoration. She can be part of the community again, but there's, there's more going on. Daughter, he treats her like family. Did you see that? Go in peace. That's an Old Testament blessing. Be freed from your suffering, which she is. But if this is a sign, what's it pointing towards? Mark has been telling us all through this, Jesus is God the Son, and this is what he's come to do. All this talk about suffering and Jesus setting you free, Peter, in one of his letters, will speak of Jesus this way. It'll come up in the the screens uh, now. It says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 
By his wounds you have been healed. The gospel, the good news is this. God has come in Jesus Christ and he himself has borne our sin and our suffering so that he can welcome you into his family, secure for you an end to all suffering, give you a deep sense of peace in place of fear. And it all comes not through him, The blessings of the gospel don't really come through Jesus as if he's just some kind of spiritual deliveroo. That's not what he is. No, no, they they come in him. Faith brings you Jesus himself. And that's why even if his plans, in his plans, the full end of suffering don't come yet, you can still have peace in place of fear because you really do have Him. He's the resource. He's the fountain. He's the good news. He's the guarantee of what's to come. He Himself is who you have. And did you notice, just as we finish, going on a bit longer, verse 29. Did you notice that in verse 29, if you read it, the woman knows something special has happened to her. She knows immediately. But verse 34 Jesus still explains it to her, just how special it is, which is another way of saying, even if you're a Christian and you know all this, you still need to hear Jesus explain and re-explain to you just how special He is for you. You've got Him. Are you anxious this morning? Have you begun to think, maybe again today, I can trust this Jesus? Will you come and ask him not to give you just the immediate resources you need, but the deep assurance that you're in his family and that he will secure you and to give you the peace that only he can give? Let's have a moment to pray. The musicians are going to come back up to the front as well.